Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I got a hot take. Everyone loves toxic teammates. False. We hate it. But there's a solution to help you avoid them and only matchmake with gamers like you. Our sponsor, eBlitz, is the perfect social LFG app for gamers of all levels. eBlitz helps you meet and match with like-minded, non-toxic gamers to play your favorite games within seconds. Simply start swiping to match with other gamers who share similar interests as you, be it games, platform of choice, country, etc., and message them. You can grow your network to become a list of gamers to answer the call whenever you need them giving you the best gaming experience, which is a non-toxic one. Download eBlitz for free today off the App Store and Google Play Store. Links are in the description below. Now, on to the show! It's Bonus Round Monday! Welcome everybody, and thank you for listening. We are the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast, a group of three dads who love to talk about video games. Today's gonna be a scorcher because we've brought some hot takes to share. Please make sure to follow our show, rate us five stars, and leave a written review if your podcast app allows. Plus, we are almost entirely funded by our listeners, so if you like our show and would like to help support it, please check out our Patreon page. Supporters get some amazing perks like access to our bonus Squadcast episodes, and we release those two times every month. I am your host, Paul, and I don't think this is a hot take, but I've got some of the best co-workers in the podcasting biz. First up, we generally do like the same games, although I do know him to have some of the hottest takes in regards to candy. It's Mr. Bottle Caps. I mean, it's Josh. Oh, dude, bottle caps are delicious. Score bar is delicious. Let's be honest. There's, you know, I'm just not, I'm not with the, the mainstream candy guy. I like, yeah. I like the, you know, I, I stick up for, uh, for small candy. Yeah. Uh, bottle caps still in your top three all time favorite candies. I, I don't know that that's all time. I'm just saying like, <laughs> I like, did I say all time favorites? I don't recall that. I don't. Yeah. I, you plead, had, I plead ignorance on that one. Oh, uh, bottle caps. I mean, let's three. be honest. Reese's cups, Kit Kat bars and uh, Twix. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm with you there. Those are, those are some mainstream candies. All right. And then joining us, you know, I don't know. Maybe his hot take is that modern games suck because I went back and looked at his top 10 games of all time. And four out of his top five are 16 years old <laughs> or older. It's Michael. Oh, man. 
My my average game that I like is in high school. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just I'll just stick with the candy like Josh. I guess Whoppers are really good. Twizzlers and Reese's peanut butter cups are amazing. So there we go. I guess that uh, retro gamer here Wait. signing off the of the intro. Are, are you actually being serious <laughs> with the Whoppers and Twizzlers? Yeah, they're great. They're great. Whoppers are pretty good. Paul, Twizzlers, you can't that's... ever. You can't ever comment on my candy takes ever again <laughs> what <laughs> twizzlers are amazing who doesn't like twizzlers me they're okay it's oh, like I'll, eating I'll flavored eat wax oh my goodness. if you yeah. like you know flavored Just. wax to chew on it's fine Just, uh, <laughs> we're gonna do a candy ranking and elite dangerous is gonna rank right there with twizzlers <laughs> i was gonna say this actually won't be a all candy podcast we are going to be giving hot takes regarding games but before we jump into that, Josh, I think you've got a couple of reviews for us. I do indeed. These are not hot takes. These are the honest <laughs> truth from listeners around the globe. Nice. Um, but we love reviews for the podcast. If you're listening right now and you haven't left us a review, please take the time to do it. It is huge for the podcast. We absolutely love it. It makes my day. Um, and so here we go, because I know we're going to have a fun episode. So this first one comes in from Bluey Foxy. It's titled Most Amazing Podcast, and it says, it is just amazing. If I were you, I would listen to it. <laughs> Man. Short and sweet. You know, there's something to be said for that short and sweet review sometimes. So, Bluey Foxy, thank you for that. Bluey Foxy, that should have been titled Hashtag Truth. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. This next one is not short, but it's an awesome review. Comes in from West Side Pancake, and it's titled A Threesome That We Can All Enjoy. <laughs> Oh, boy. I got, got a little worried when I saw that yeah. title, but don't worry, boys. He's talking about the hosts. Uh, well, I don't know if that's any better. Uh, oh, man. All right. And it says, been listening for well over a year now, and I have to say the decision to once again become a three-man pod is greater than any pancakes versus waffle shenanigans. While Josh and Paul's back and forth banter and buffoonery is beyond enjoyable, I love Michael's fresh takes, unbridled confidence, and general disregard for Josh and Paul's arguments revolve around Mass Effect being better than Dragon Age, being better than Mass Effect, something about World of Warcraft, and more Dragon Age and Mass Effect. <laughs> My own gaming views and tendencies align mostly with Josh because he's smart and understands that video games are meant to be fun, unlike Elite Dangerous. And lastly, Paul is the commander shepherd of this podcast that wants and needs it to stay on target. Splendid work, gentlemen. I'll take it. Anyone comparing me to Commander Shepard, I'm, I'm good. That's a great review. Uh, also, <laughs> Westside Pancake, active in our Discord server, great member of the community. We appreciate you a lot. Active and awesome. And that's an alliteration for those of you uh, keeping um, grammar score. Oh, very nice. Well, thank you so much to both of you of leaving those reviews. To everyone else out there, if you haven't already left one, we would love for you to do that. And we will read it on the show. So hop on into Apple Podcasts. If you don't have an iPhone, I'm sure you know someone who does. Borrow theirs. Find us. Leave a review. And we will read it on the show. I just pictured someone running around the mall, swiping iPhones <laughs> out of people's hands and just like, yes. hold on, that's hey. like about 30 seconds. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? Whatever it takes. Do it. Do it. Ask for permission first. We don't encourage stealing, but, you know, <laughs> borrow their phone. Hey, man, you mind if I leave a review? I don't care if they steal a phone. Just don't tell them that we said to do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a disclaimer there somewhere. Uh, let's run up by the lawyers. <laughs> yes, our, our legal department over uh, here. Right. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about what we're going to do today. We have all prepared and have brought with us 
some of our hottest takes and we're going to share them with each other. I have a feeling there might be a little bit of debate. If it's a hot take, it's unlikely that all three of us have the same opinion. And we have prepared, I believe, all gaming related, maybe podcast related. All of mine are related to games. And basically, we just want to know where do we go against the crowd consensus, right? Now, I don't know if this is the best idea to like go out of our way to share our hot takes to gain new listeners of the show. We're probably going to make a lot of people mad. But we're going to stay true to ourselves. We're going to do it anyway. How does that sound? I, it's Dude, this is going to be fun, <laughs> man. This I love being contrary sometimes. I get to be the grumpy old man, you know, and this episode is just perfect for that. So understand these are hot takes. You're going to hear some of these and go, what? Like, you guys are stupid, man. But that's the point. Yeah. Yes. My goal is not to make other people mad. My goal is to make you two mad. <laughs> oh, oh, Michael's coming for us? Oh. Maybe a little bit. Oh. Pro- probably not. Watch, all my hot takes are just like, no, that's generally tr- true. Uh, like, do you- I was going to no, say, right. if I know anything about Michael, his hot takes are going to be like, I think this. I'm sorry. Yeah. I- I'm sorry, guys. If I upset anybody, I'm really sorry. <laughs> RPGs are fun. That's not a hot take. <laughs> well, I-, I do have one that's specifically designed for you, Michael. I might have messaged Josh and said, it's not my goal to make Michael cry, but it's possible he might cry on this show. Oh, challenge accepted. Can I cry? Ooh. I'm, I'm going to try to cry natural tears. Hold on. Let me grab a glass of red wine or something. It helps. Yes. So we're going to share hot takes. None of it's personal. We know each other's favorite games. We know some of the games that each other don't like. And so if we bring a hot take against one another, it's just all in good fun. And uh, we're going to try to end the show still being friends. So that's... That's 50 50 chance. This might be the last episode. We really hope not. You're, you're all going to have to hold your breath until Thursday. See if yeah. we come out with a twig episode. <laughs> all right. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll let one of you guys go. Well, who, let's who let, wants let's let Michael bring the heat. Okay, man. Michael. He said he, he said he wanted to come in hot. I do want to you know, come in hot. I do want to come in hot because we've already mentioned Commander Shepard. Oh, boy. My hot take is in the same vein of that. I am trying so hard to play Paul's favorite game, Mass Effect 2. But Mass Effect 1 is so colossally boring that I can't get there. Ooh. Yeah. uh, This is a take some people have. I am having a hard time getting through it. All I'm doing is running back and forth talking to people, occasionally shooting people, and driving the rover way too much, way too far. And I just, I'm like... I I know it gets good because I heard it gets good, but I'm like 10 hours into it, and that's that's all I've done. And I'm just like, <laughs> how much more of this can I take before I just throw on Mass Effect 2? But I've heard that you've got to get through Mass Effect 1, and like in the Ultimate or Definitive Edition, you carry some characters with you or whatever, your save progress goes, so I have to play this game, but I can't get through it. So, you know, I will say, despite the fact that Mass Effect 1 is my favorite game, the very first time I went through it, I fizzled out after about six hours and I quit and I didn't return to it for like a year. But ever since then, I've gone through the game. I don't even know. I stopped counting somewhere around 10 or 11. I've beaten it in its entirety beginning to end probably 13, 14, 15 times. Um, I will say once you learn the world and all of the characters and then as you replay it, you pick up so much more of the detail I don't think it's boring at all, but there is a lot of running around the Citadel in the beginning. Is that what kind of killed it for you? 
Uh, yeah, the Citadel, and now I'm on like this planet where I'm supposed to chase after this lady. I don't, I don't care who she is anymore at this point. Oh, uh, uh, excuse me. Does it help if I say it's Deanna <laughs> Troy from Star Trek: The Next Generation? I'm so. Is it Benezia? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, whatever her name is. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just like I'm just walking around like doing little side things they're like hey you've got to get to the garage where you're where where the rover is parked but you can't go oh, yeah. there until you talk to 94 people and just run back and forth the whole and then i get in the rover and i drive it for like i don't know 25 minutes and kill like four things oh you really suck at driving that rover that's that's like a that's like five minutes <laughs> maybe in my mind it was long <laughs> i know what you're talking actually- about I actually liked the rover part of Mass Effect 1, and I was sad oh, when they took that take. away. I, I, like, I <laughs> was sad go. when they took it away because I liked exploring the planet and trying to find like the little points of interest and the minerals and stuff like that. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I didn't mean that to be a hot take, the but hot take, I actually liked that The part. hot take begats a sub-hot take. We're starting out great so Oof. far. Well, when Michael started Mass Effect 1, like two months ago and clearly has not been playing it very much i knew you must not have been liking it i will say if you don't like it just jump straight into two you don't have to play one if you play one it will import your saves and your decisions and i think it's a better experience but if you're not digging one i think it's totally fine if you jump into two yeah because i i did i played for about two hours i think it was on saturday or sunday um and i just i was just like ah, i just don't want to i don't want to do this <laughs> So, mm. but, but I'll get through it. I'll get Deanna Troy will help me through it. <laughs> well, I can respect shots fired uh, right off the bat uh, at me. I'm going to just let those bullets bounce right off my armor. I'm definitely not going to cry later. Uh, Josh, <laughs> Josh <laughs> you want to bring up you, your first topic? I think you meant your kinetic barrier, didn't you? Yeah, that's more accurate. My, my <laughs> Omni tool, you know, armor up, sh- right. shots bounce right off. Um. Uh, so I'm up. Hot take time? You're up, Josh. Let's Ooh, hear it. Oh, man. I got so many good ones, man. All right. I'll start off a little mild. I got I to gotta get the slow burn going before I really jump in and people tune out. Um, my hot take is I miss games that end. <laughs> so no live service gaming for Josh. I yes, and here's the thing. I don't want that feeling of endlessness when I play video games. Stop making games live service. Just let me play one and let me beat it. That's okay. <laughs> it doesn't need to go on forever. This is why games like The Witcher, God of War, Dragon Age, Mass Effect are all in the upper echelon of video games. You know why? They're not live service games. It is a finely crafted video game experience. And you know what? As much as I absolutely love those games, when I get to the end, I'm sad. I go, man, I wish I could keep playing. But you know what? That's a good thing because it ends when it's supposed to end and it leaves me wanting more that I can't have. And that's the beauty of it is that I've experienced this finely crafted, finite experience that doesn't just drag on endlessly to where I'm just left with apathy at that point. Like, stop making video games to where they're live service and they don't have a beginning and an end. I actually don't enjoy that trend. And I think you're doing the video game industry a disservice when you can't craft games like God of War, Mass Effect, Dragon. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. But some of my absolutely favorite games in life are the ones that just have an ending. <laughs> so two things there. Thing number one, when you first said you missed games to end, I thought you were going to fire shots at Elden Ring. 
Um, or did I just do that? Because nope. <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> nope. uh, thing number two, I think, I think, Paul, I think we just heard Josh say he likes a story, like a good story, because he wants. I like a good story. To- I'm not, I don't need all the fast twitch and stuff, but I, you know, that's the thing is, I miss video games where developers just said, "Here's a beginning, here's an end. We're good with that. Enjoy it. I feel you. Be done with it. Go buy something else after that, guys." There is definitely something to be said ending and leaving the user wanting just a little bit more. Like, my wife and I have been going through Seinfeld for the first time in a few years, and we just watched the episode where one George knows that his first joke always lands, and the whole room erupts, and after that, he keeps making bad jokes. And he just starts doing the first joke, and he just stands up and walks straight out of the room, and then everybody just wants more George. And we do need more of that in gaming. I'm 100% with you, Josh. The whole live service gaming is kind of bonkers. And and games rely so much on selling DLC. There are games that release that already have DLC that you have to pay for. And next thing you know, you've got to buy six $20 DLCs to finish the story. And I think that's criminal. Mass Effect famously has some fantastic DLC. And they're all really good side missions like Lair of the Shadow Broker. That's the way to do it. If you want to do DLC and live more in that world, I am for it, but it absolutely should not be the main storylines. You almost get the sense that it's um like they're just writing the story on the fly and they don't know how it's going to end, and we're just going to figure it out. We'll keep doing more DLC, and eventually we're just going to make more money. And in the end, you pay more, you're less satisfied, the games go on too long. I'm with you, Josh. Sell me a finished product, and I'll play it, and I'll end it, and I'll move on to the next thing. Yeah, I think we touched on that briefly on our most annoying gaming trends. When people or companies sell DLC before the game even comes out, they're selling the DLC packs, and you're like, well, did you not finish the game? You already have like four DLC packs planned? It's just, yeah, it's it's ludicrous. I'm with you. I love a good story. Um, Doesn't matter how long it is to me sometimes. Like, Witcher was really long. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice was really short. I loved them both. I appreciated the story in both, but they both had a definitive beginning and end, and you appreciate it. In The Witcher's case, the DLC was just add-on missions, a side story, which I found enlightening because it was like I got a little bit more, but I already finished the main story and just got a little more. And there's nothing wrong with a long game if the story necessitates it. Sure. Mass, Mass Effect is a trilogy that tells one story. It's really a 300 hour game if you do all the side missions and run it all but because it's such a vast story and there's new reveals it makes sense uh but you know there there's something to be said for just letting the game end there's nothing wrong with that at all <laughs> did Josh just uh did you hear that paul just said mass effect is like a 300 hour game or at least it feels like it to me <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, 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 was, I was i was trying to breathe oh it was good right after michael's take there on that all right paul yeah. what's your hot what's your hot let's hear let's hear how spicy paul's gonna start off here all right short and sweet guys cyberpunk 2077 while terribly flawed is still a better game than the witcher 3 oh whoa. oh no oh no i will not stand up for this paul it's better you take that back it is a you better take game that back that is it Hold is on. a better game. Better how? Go go through what's better about it. How much time yeah. you got, Michael? No, no, no. Don't go down that road. All right. Here's <laughs> the thing. Here's the thing. You guys know I love The Witcher 3. It's in my top 10 of all time. I went back to double check because I was like, I want to make sure I'm not just trying to invent hot takes. I want these things to be real. And sure enough, in my top 10, 
I had Cyberpunk at number six and Witcher three at number seven. So I'm not saying it's vastly better, but I am sticking to my guns. Cyberpunk has a far better story than Witcher three. And despite the bugs, the combat gives you so many more options for how to play compared to the Witcher three. I just think it's better. All right, so you want me to defend this a little bit? No, I don't want you to, because you're crazy. <laughs> My brain has already just written you off, Paul. Man, I got I got to play this it, game. <laughs> All right, wait, you never played? Oh, you never played Cyberpunk? No, I got like two oh, hours. Okay, in. so good. Let, it's it's so I'm going to tell you something, Michael. It's a great game, but it's nowhere near as good as The Witcher. Totally, totally disagree. <laughs> All right, so The Witcher Three, the overall story is pretty pedestrian. It is traditional. All right, Geralt is out there trying to find his girlfriend, and then he's commissioned by the Emperor to track down Ciri because she has special blood. All right. The most memorable parts of The Witcher 3 are the things that happen along the way. It's not the actual main storyline. We all think about stuff like the Bloody Baron and some of the choices that you make there. I think we would all agree the worst parts of The Witcher are when you have to play as Ciri. The game definitely does lull. There are major lulls to Witcher 3. It is not always operating at a 10 out of 10. The first five to six hours of The Witcher are kind of boring. Josh, you yourself always say, you gotta wait till you get to the Bloody Baron, and then things start to kick up. I do not find Cyberpunk to ever lull. Beginning to end, I think it is completely thrilling, and I think that the story is much more modern and much more nuanced And ultimately, just much more inventive. Because in Cyberpunk, you're dealing with the main character, V, which, by the way, can be male or female. In The Witcher, you're just stuck playing Geralt, who, by the way, as much as I love Witcher 3, not a very good voice acting job. Geralt's voice acting is not very interesting. Uh. It's because he's been mutated. (laughs) Sure. You try getting mutated and have a soothing voice, Paul. It's a great game. I love The Witcher 3. I'm not trashing it. I'm just singing cyberpunk's praises. V's voice acting, I think, is phenomenal. V's mind is getting overridden by a rock star terrorist. Tell me... Tell me that's not more interesting than trying to find your your adoptive daughter who has special blood. You, As V, you start to take on Johnny Silverhand's tendencies. You start behaving like him, and you have to make all these choices. Like, am I going to fight to stay alive, but that's going to kill Johnny's consciousness forever? Or am I ultimately going to decide that I'm actually going to let Johnny take over my body, and I will be the one who is deleted from you know this brain? I just think it's such a novel idea of what cyberpunk does. I just think it works better, even though technically it runs far worse than The Witcher 3. All right, I'm not debating that. But what I think is that the benefits of cyberpunk outweigh the cons of the bugs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been more disappointed in Paul <laughs> than I am right now. <laughs> and it's definitely saying something that Josh did not finish Cyberpunk. <laughs> I made it real close to the end. I think I, I honestly, I think I was like an hour away from the, you actually go completing the game. Just go knock so. it out. I'd actually replay it at this point. I've gotten my new monitor since then. The game's probably a lot less buggy. I actually do need to go and replay Cyberpunk, but I can pretty much assure you that it will not beat witcher 3 in my mind i'm gonna hit you guys with something else all right combat all right cyberpunk you have so many options for how to fight you have guns swords you've got the mantis claws gorilla arms cattle prods you hack enemies you can go stealth what do you have in the witcher 3 you've got Two swords. Uh, uh, no, you've and got your different signs. You've got your different oils, your bombs. Incredibly your, your underwhelming swords. signs. Uh, you've got skill. You actually have to dodge and time things. Where, <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you this. In Cyberpunk, see this? I, I heavily disagree with you, and we can't turn this into the Cyberpunk versus Witcher episode. But in Cyberpunk, all I did was get the big gorilla arm things and just absolutely wreck everybody I came across. Like, there was no difficulty at all in that regard. I'd just run up and punch people and they'd explode. In Witcher, you can't do that. Like, you actually have to dodge roll. You have to time. I disagree with you completely. I think the combat in Witcher, while it is a little janky, I will not disagree that the movement and combat can be a little janky in The Witcher 3. I still find it much more fulfilling. I think the signs in Witcher 3 are basically an add-on that do not give a whole lot of benefit. You also have throwables in Cyberpunk. I'm not saying that the combat is vastly better. I'm telling you it gives you more options for how to play. In The Witcher, you just switch between a silver sword and a regular sword. It's just a little pedestrian. That's, That's all I'm saying. Cyberpunk has all of its technical issues because it reached for the sky. Not even the sky. It reached for space. It reached for out of this galaxy, and it really struggled from a technical perspective because of that. But I want to give it the respect it deserves for being as ambitious as it was, even though it was a little bit of a mess at times. I think if you are not using the signs in The Witcher, you're playing on too low of a difficulty and not playing the game right. Oh, yeah. I- I don't know. I yeah. left that thing on Igni pretty much the whole time, and you hardly ever need it. Paul's not a very good witcher, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, toss a coin <laughs> yeah. to some other witcher. Oh, I was a fantastic What's, what witcher. What school were you in, Paul? Uh, All right, Michael. The school please of bring us, arms. Bring us back to reality here, Michael. Come in with a hot take that actually makes some sense. Oh. Is that what hot take is supposed to do? 
No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but you can't, no, but you did insult one of my favorite games of all time too. So. I might insult one of your favorite games of all time too. Oh, bring it! Skyrim was remarkably disappointing. Remarkably. The reason why is that it was a follow-up to one of the best games of all time called Oblivion. It didn't have the same character system where the character, the NPCs recognize you as you walk around and you have this triumphant feeling like you're saving the world. You're just a dude and no one really cares about you. And also the ending? I don't even know if it had an ending. I talked to a dragon for a little bit. I fought it a little bit. It was an easy fight. And I was like, the game's over? I think the only good thing about that game that I liked compared to a lot of other open-world RPGs is the fact that the world had some stuff in it. There was some lively stuff going on. And I and for me, coming from a person who likes a lot of open world, like fantasy Arthurian RPGs, I still look back after having beaten the game only like three years ago. I, I played it for years and didn't beat it. And I look back and I'm like, was I too hard on it? And I'm like, no, I really wasn't. I wasn't fulfilled by the ending. And I wasn't really fulfilled by... A lot of the a lot of the stuff going on in that game. So maybe that's not a very hot take. I was just really disappointed by it. I know it's very heralded by many, so it's kind of a hot take, I guess. Mm. I'm willing. I'm willing to come in with a hotter take. I think the Elder Scrolls as a series is vastly overrated. Whoa. I I really enjoyed Oblivion, but on the whole, I do not put it anywhere near the Dragon Age games. To me, it's like if you're gonna play fantasy, play the real series, which is Dragon Age. Uh, that that's to say, I can appreciate the Elder Scrolls. They're good games. I do not herald them in the same way everyone else seems to. Josh, I know you like Skyrim quite a bit, but I, I don't even know I, if you would really disagree with Michael either. I like Skyrim better. I think there. Honestly, I like all of the Elder Scrolls games except for Elder Scrolls Online, which I find to be absolutely abysmal. Um, as a, I think it's dumbed down and overly simple and no challenge whatsoever. <laughs> um, which makes me sad. But I thought Oblivion was great. I think Skyrim is great. I do not think that Skyrim is drastically worse. I think it does some things better. Um, I got really tired of going around and just closing Oblivion Gates all the time. Whereas in Skyrim, like I never got tired of fighting a dragon because that's cool, man. Like having a dragon fly over you and then circle around and stuff was just awesome. Um, plus, who doesn't want to be dragonborn, man? Well, but, weren't the like quest markers? Didn't a lot of people what? not like that because in the previous games you had to kind of like read and pay attention and figure out what to do and where to go. That was in the early, early games. Yeah, you're thinking like Morrowind I know Morrowind didn't. Type. I yeah, don't think Morrow- Oblivion did either, but I could be wrong about that. I think it did, but I could. I might be wrong on... It's been a long time since I've played, but I mean, if you said, Josh, do you want to play Oblivion or Skyrim? I'm going to pick Skyrim. You know, like I said, just dragons Dragons are cool, man. Let me ask you this, Paul, since, since this is Michael's hot take. Would you rather people call you Dragonborn... Or, or a hero. The hero of Kvach. <laughs> Look, he's the hero of Kvach. Or Dragonborn. I'd rather take my arrows than he. Dragons are great, right? Like, you watch Game of Thrones. What are you rooting for? The dragons. Yeah. You play Dragon Age. Yeah. What do you want to fight? You want to fight the dragons. I do love dragons. Uh, but I also get what Michael is saying. I do. <laughs> I, I, I did like Oblivion more than Skyrim. I don't know that Skyrim was a disappointment. Uh, but... You know, they are what they are. They're good games. They are very good games. I I don't think they are superb games. Don't get me wrong. I'll still play Skyrim, but I just, as a follow-up to Oblivion, I thought it just kind of fell flat in so many ways. The only good parts about it, I thought, were better in Oblivion. Except for the graphics, obviously, but that's, that's a time thing. We can't argue that. Yeah, yeah. Undisputably, 
Skyrim is newer. It's going to run better and look better. All right. Well, you know, we're about halfway through this episode. <laughs> Let's take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBlitz. Okay, you all know how much we talk about trying to remove toxicity from gaming and how we want gamers to be able to come together to share their love of playing video games. Well, eBlitz takes that to another level. Their app helps you find fellow gamers that love the games you play. Want to find non-toxic, friendly people to play Minecraft with? How about a killer squad on Apex that's friendly and supports each other? Want to get your Rocket League skills on my level? Find a friend on eBlitz you can practice with anytime. No more hoping you get lucky and match with a decent teammate. Take your fate into your own hands and check out the eBlitz app. The eBlitz app makes signups simple. Just enter your email address, your favorite games, and things you like, and it will do the rest. Once registered, simply start swiping to match with other gamers who share similar interests as you, be it games, platform of choice, country, and more. Never play alone again and create new gaming friends in seconds. Download today for free, and it's completely free to use off the App Store or Google Play Store. There's also a link in the episode description. All right, guys, we are back from our break, and we are up to Josh, right? Josh, you get to go oh, next. Oh, I'm feeling spicy now, boys. Oh, bring it. Let's <laughs> hear it. Y'all got me fired up. Paul, I, I just, I have to ask, I, I think you and I may have a similar hot take, and I just don't know if you want me to save it for you or if you want me to just jump in here. I, oh, it, Would you like me to save it for you? No, or? no. I think I know what it might be. How about you read yours, and then I will just read the sentence that I wrote down if I know what this is. Okay. All right. My hot take, and I don't honestly, this might be a cool take, but Elite Dangerous may oh. be one of the worst <laughs> video games I have ever played in my life. I actually don't have a hot take about Elite Dangerous. <laughs> this is not this is not a jab at Michael, although I did know that this would get a reaction from him, which it did. But we play a lot of games for this show. And I talked about Elite Dangerous long before we ever covered it. And I said, hey, I know some people hate that game. Some people love that game. And I thought, maybe I'm one of those people that love it. But having suffered through what Elite Dangerous is, I am squarely in the, I think... This might be the most unfun video game I've ever played in my entire life. There's zero fun to be had in it. Everything is overly complicated for zero reason whatsoever. If this is NASA trying to teach me space flight in some hidden simulator, <laughs> fine. I, I, that I can understand. You know, but if this is a video game that's supposed to be fun, it's quite possibly the worst one ever made. I do think it's very funny that Michael cannot get into Mass Effect 1, but has no problem running data back and forth for hours on end. In I don't, a, in a I don't run the data. Don't run the data. It is, it is literally a never-ending stream of fetch quests, like shuttling cargo from one location to another with nothing else in between. It is the definition of work. And when I play video games, I don't want to work. I want to have fun. And the absolute lack of fun in Elite Dangerous was absolutely astounding to me that there's people that enjoy just the chore 
of shuttling green beans from one space one space station to another space station or spending 45 minutes trying to track down a little black box so that they can grab it and then tote it back to the space station. I, I just, I don't get it. I, I There's people out there like Michael that are going to be like, Dude, I hate you right you now. You are correct but, when you say you don't get it. Uh, it's it's just the the whole thing about it is I I think you only did the work part of the game. I think you missed ninety percent of the game. You know the fantastic story before the between the uh, the Thargoids and the humans, all the things that happen with the political factions in there, all the fighting, the space fighting is incredible. I've never seen a more realistic dogfighting game in space. The physics that are involved, the exploration when you go explore and you found a new planet that no one's ever found, you put your name on it. There's so much more out there than landing on planets with your rover going around let, and discovering let, new... Let me ask you something, Michael. Let me ask you something. If I told you, Michael, I'm going to kick you between the legs five <laughs> times in a row, okay, as hard as I can, but in an hour, you're going to have fun. Would you let me do that? Well, the problem is no. I would what, not. What, what, yeah, exactly. Would there you go. Um, although, although I would say that in this case, kicking between his legs, I think is a little bit harsh. Um, I, I, I don't think so. I did offer him I multiple might, times. I might prefer getting kicked in the family you. jewels than having to play Elite Dangerous. I, again. I think Elite Dangerous is a lot more fun with friends. You guys wanted to play it and by yourselves and get the the newbie experience and i think that's that's just a, it's a slight of the game you gotta you gotta come in with friends and just know what to like have fun it works so much better as a I, that's exactly the point i like having fun <laughs> well yeah, i hate I'm, you I'm, I'm obviously. I mean, you guys already know I'm closer to Josh's. Side you're not even closer to Josh. You're like right. You're like you're like sitting on the love seat with him right now, and I'm on the other end of the couch on my own. I don't even get a reclining sofa. Dang it! <laughs> Josh had Elite Dangerous dead last on our leaderboard. I wasn't quite that low. I was. I would have put it a couple spots above, but I was pretty close to it. I just think it's funny that you can't get into Mass Effect, the area you were talking about, where you need to get the pass. There's so many funny ways to get that pass. You can uh, betray people, take on quests, and then betray them. And I, I won't go into all the details or the spoilers. But I find those types of things so much more fun than just flying around in space. And Michael, you were always like, but I'll give you money to buy a better ship. And I'm just always like, yeah, that's not going to make it any better for <laughs> me. That's so not what better. I'm looking for. <laughs> for the opening ship is garbage. I will admit that. Yeah, Sorry, Michael. It's okay. That wasn't at you specifically. It's generally just my true feelings for that terrible video Stabs game. Stabs my soul, but I'll go through. with it. I'll go with it. I haven't cracked <laughs> open right. my twist-off bottle cap of red wine yet, so... Ooh. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, Paul. All right. You coming in hot? You coming in spicy? You coming in mild, buddy? Uh, I think this is relatively spicy. All right. Here's what I wrote down, guys. Home VR is a fun novelty, but it will never be mainstream. Is this where I'm going to cry? I don't see VR ever going mainstream. I think there's a small niche that love it. I don't know that it's ever going to be in more homes than it is today. I think this might be the peak of VR gaming. Oh, I really I, hope not. I really hope not. I, I love it so much. And I, I the thing is, though, is it, it is work. Like, you do have to, like, I, I what, what was I playing the other day? I was playing some Titanic simulator where you're in this rover going down, and it was really cool. But after like two hours, I'm like, I don't want this thing on my head anymore right now. And I and that was disappointing to me because I love I love VR. And I played Elite Dangerous almost exclusively in VR for eight hundred and some odd hours. Like I loved it. 
but it's it's after a while you're like i kind of just don't want this thing on my head and i think that's the way i think it's getting stale like i think i don't want to agree with you because i don't want it to be true but i yeah. also think you are quite frankly probably right that this is the peak and we're not going to see a lot more innovation we're not going to see a lot more happening i i that makes me sad but i'm not i don't disagree with that take either the thing the thing for me and i don't know that it's able to be overcome is that i think vr needs to take a huge technological leap forward yes. for people to enjoy it more every time i put on my oculus quest I enjoy the game I play, but I feel like I'm playing like like some cartoony, very dumbed down experience of a game because it just doesn't have the ability to look really good, to sound really good. I think the technology is incredible, but until they can get to where VR is high definition, wide field of view, 120 frames per second. I don't know that it's ever going to fully catch on. But the problem is to get to that point, people need to fully adopt it to make these companies able to get to that point. So I think you're stuck in that catch 22. I I, I don't disagree with you, man. It's either going to fizzle out or a company like Facebook is going to invest $10 billion to just force its way there anyway. And honestly, I hope they do because I don't want to see it die. But I, you might be right. And I think to Josh's point, which I'll support, even though I kind of hate him right now. Well, not nah, kind of. It's a, okay. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's a weak word. Let, uh, let your anger <laughs> flow, Michael. Um, it's it's. There are only probably a half a dozen games that really look really good, but they only look really really good if you spend a thousand dollars and get the best VR, and then you still have not that full field of view. You're still limited to almost like you're wearing goggles of some kind. And then like take case in point, like uh, Skyrim VR loved it as far as a VR experience. Like I know I just pooped all over Skyrim a few minutes ago, but as far as a VR experience, it was fun. Um, you know, I had to mod it a little bit to make arrows have weight and stuff, but the fact that you don't have like weight on a sword and a shield, it feels kind of wonky and weird to me. And fallout was unplayable. Like the guns didn't like it's, you're like waving them around. They're just flopping around. Like, but to make that work, you can buy a haptic feedback vest and gloves, which like change the weight and stuff. The problem is they're like five thousand dollars. So yeah. to make it realistic enough to where you're truly feeling like you're immersed and not just wearing something on your head that's goggles, you have to put out more money than any of us have or any average gamers, except for that guy that dropped a hundred thousand dollars and he only likes mobile gaming, like Diablo Immortal. <laughs> I do like experiences. I don't remember the exact name, but there's the Star Wars one that you can do in Vegas yeah, where great. you wear the full suit and they have a whole building devoted to it. So you're actually running around and doing things. I think that kind of stuff is fantastic and really immersive. But to me, VR at home is like going to the movies to watch a 3D movie. Like 3D movies have been around since, I don't know, like the 30s, I think. And I hate having to wear 3D glasses at the movie theater. I don't want to do it. And I remember getting into debates with our good friend Andy when I said, home 3D TVs are not going to take off because no one wants to wear the glasses. No one wants to charge the glasses and have to wear them. And I always said, once they create a 3D TV where you can sit anywhere and it's just a curved screen that's taking care of it, maybe it'll have a chance. And I feel the same way about VR. As long as as I have to put on a goofy headset 
And when I take it off, I look like a complete moron with a giant red strap across oh, you're my so forehead. Sweaty. So sweaty. And you get really sweaty. And yeah. the, the they only last like two hours at best if you're playing a graphically intensive game. I, I'm going to go as far as to say I don't know that VR is really going to take off until you get into really futuristic stuff where it's sending brain signals directly into my brain where I am actually seeing, tasting, and feeling things. I think that's when it's really going to take off and it'll be huge. I, I, I think people are always going to have a struggle putting on physical equipment. And I, I just, I don't know. I like that Paul literally just plugged himself into the matrix right there. Yes. Like when you can <laughs> yes. start making me think that it's reality, right. then I'm on board. Yes. There's, <laughs> there's, I remember as a kid, I was probably way too young to see the movie. But my dad showed me a movie called, I think it was called Brainstorm, and it had Christopher Walken and Natalie Wood. And it's where they create these helmets, and it's just the Matrix, literally. And they can record people's um, experiences, and then you can just replay them, and you actually are feeling and living as that person. And then, of course, immediately people get sucked too much into it, and now they're just living in virtual worlds. And I think that'll be like a real problem once we get to that point. But that's when I think you're finally going to see VR really take off. I want to plug into the Matrix, hundred percent. I would too, and I would like Christopher Walken to be there with me as well. That would be <laughs> sure. I'd be like, pow, your world, this reality. <laughs> wow. Um, that's all I can do is pows and wows with him. Um, no, that's perfect. Uh, yeah. So sub sub uh, hot take to that. The funniest thing about VR is the best VR game. It's not a game at all. It's Google Earth VR because you can just like fly around like Superman and stand on top of buildings and it's incredible. So, and it's free, which is ironic that it's like, well, it's just case in point. Like, it, eh. Yeah. Well, we probably have enough time for all of us to do one more hot take each. So, Michael, we are back to you. You oh, got your final I, one for what us. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? <laughs> you have to whittle them down. I, I've got two more. I was hoping to get to both, but. Or just go quick. If you go quick. I'll go. Okay, this one will go real quick. Then, um, quick time events are the most poorly executed thing in gaming. P- oh, period. I agree, hundred percent. Period. They have no place <laughs> outside of story based games. If they're ever in an action based game, it's like it's absolutely lazy, lazy developing. Like, why Lara Croft? After you fought everything and did all these things and jumped, am I using the left bumper to dodge a rock that's coming at me, or to grab that ledge? <laughs> yep yeah. so that, i can go quick with that one and then we can come back around real quick or i'll i'll do another quick one because yep. i've got a quick one too um stardew valley and animal crossing suck <laughs> i knew that one was coming that yeah, is a hot take both very popular games their work veiled as progression without any actual progression uh you just get decorations and maybe the chance to catch like a new bug or something for all of the work that you put in I think they're absolutely terrible video games. Do you think I, I, Elite Dangerous like, I is hate better? both of them. No. I will say it's easier for me to swallow that pill for Animal Crossing. Stardew Valley has a lot to do with combat in the mines, traveling to the other island, growing different rarity crops, and Work. you get to be a winemaker in your basement Work. and make a ton of money. Work. Uh, <laughs> the the fighting in the mines was the best part of Stardew Valley to me. Sure, like the going down more and more levels was like the only enjoyable part of that game. And even then, that was pretty basic combat. Well, yeah, you know me. Stardew Valley is one of my all time favorites. Animal Crossing, I can get 
why people would find it very boring. All right, hit All us right. with a quick one, Paul. All right, if you're forcing me to do a, another quick one, I'm going to say... All the Sonic games are really bad, except for the music. Wait, what? I don't disagree, Paul. I don't think Sonic games are fun. I think out of all the like platformers, Sonic's just kind of like nonsensical. It just moves fast, and you just jump over stuff, or you jump on stuff. You can't even come close to comparing it to the Mario games. I'm sorry, Sonic, I've never totally gotten. I was super excited about i found like sonic on playstation store for like two dollars i forget what it was and i was so excited i'm like yeah i'm gonna play sonic again i played for like three minutes and was like this is not what i remember as a kid and i don't want to play this anymore (laughs) i was a sega guy i didn't have a nintendo i had a sega and so you think i would love sonic i get that people like him but i'm with you paul and that i think he's one of the most overrated video game characters and the games are very repetitive and not all that great yeah, it's, and Sonic Frontiers that's coming out looks atrocious to me. <laughs> it does not look good. It's one of yeah. the rare examples where I would say the movies are actually better than the games. Yeah, and the games are revered. Um, but I just think they don't have a lot of complexity. There's not a whole lot to do in in the Sonic games. So, yep. I know a lot of people love them though. Yeah, you might catch some flack for that one. Paul. Yeah, I might. <laughs> they're very popular. I mean, it carried a whole console basically by itself. Well, I, I, all right, Michael. I know I'm getting flack for this one. So, and we'll we'll go somewhat quick on this one as all, as well um, because I, I don't want to have to defend it for too long because I don't want people to hate me too much. Um, JRPGs are terrible compared to Western RPGs. <laughs> Ooh, they typically have horrible writing. They're confusing. They're often way too long. And they're outdated, and that's Final Fantasy VII included. Uh, I'm fine talking about this a couple minutes. I think the biggest problem with JRPGs is that they are so overinflated with how long you have to play them because of the random encounters. That's yeah. exactly right. It really inflates these games where there's really like 13 hours of content, but you have to play it 100 hours. They feel extraordinarily bloated. The grind is built into them, and I think people nowadays don't necessarily enjoy having to grind levels just to progress. Like, it's artificial gating almost, to where it's like, you can't progress in this game until you spend three hours doing random things so that you can then progress. Yeah. And I, I just I feel like that kind of hits on the way too long and then they feel outdated. It feels like it feels like the the recipe's been the same for twenty years on those and they haven't really progressed past that. Whereas I feel like and, and again I've probably played a lot more Western RPGs. I feel like there's a lot more variety. There's a lot more different like it's like, well yeah, cookies a cookie, yeah, but white chocolate macadamia and like an oatmeal cookie are so different. I guess they're really similar, kind of. But you, you get what I'm saying there. I was gonna say, don't you slander my oatmeal raisin cookie? <laughs> they're both, all, all cookies are good. I think. Yeah. I do not like I'm raisins with, and cookies, though. I'm with you on this. Give me an action RPG or a CRPG any day. I I used to love JRPGs, but I found as I get older that they all feel the same to me. They all feel very bloated. I don't want to have to go through 18 menus in combat just to activate some random thing that they decided they wanted to put into the game 
they they didn't feel that way back in the day because you didn't have access to as many games as we do now. Right. And when we were all kids with friends who had a PlayStation 1 or maybe you guys had a PlayStation 1, playing Final Fantasy 7 was a lot of fun because it was a pretty groundbreaking game and the cutscenes were incredible and I loved the story and I loved the characters. And when you didn't have a lot of games to play, you had to play that one game for a couple months or maybe until your next birthday or the next Christmas. And so they didn't feel bloated at the time, but the model does definitely feel kind of goofy playing it today. I don't think that they've aged terribly well, but they're still cranking them out. So there's clearly an audience, but I think all of us are at a place where we would just rather play an open world RPG or something else that's different. But I'm with you. I think Final Fantasy VII is a great game. I I find that it has not aged terribly well. All right, boys. This might this might we might lose a few listeners here. Oh man, maybe (laughs) this 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 is perhaps this is perhaps my spiciest take. Our listeners Um, suck. No (laughs) man, is that your hot take? (laughs) How dare you not leave us a review? (laughs) Um, Nintendo is simultaneously one of my least favorite developers, and yet they do a lot of things right. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, They're the McDonald's of video games. Uh, They're masters of advertising, like McDonald's, and yet there's just not a lot under the surface. Well, um and, and like you know some positives right like i did say I, I i like some of the things they do their games always work they're they're hardly ever buggy right like when they release a game hey this game is polished it works um you know exactly what you're going to get they run well on whatever console that they released on and the games are memorable and streamlined but at the same time it's kind of like a mcdonald's burger where it's like dude this burger sucks man <laughs> like i know what i'm getting but compared to every other burger out there this is like bottom of the barrel as far as the burgers go and then like some of the negatives why i say they're one of my least favorite developers is they take forever to make a game they fall into the incremental improvement that they charge $60 for. I'm looking at you, Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, and all of these other series that Nintendo does, and then they charge $60 for a game that's only marginally better. And they never go um, on discount. Yeah, and that Ever. was that was literally my next point, is they absolutely <laughs> never go on discount. Uh, and honestly, a lot of their characters are boring. Mario... While iconic, and I'm not trying to take away from Mario, is a boring video game character. He's a normal he's, dude. He's just a plumber. It's just he's like, <laughs> an, if any other developer tried to make Mario as like their lead character, people would laugh them off the planet at this point. But Nintendo's a master at advertising, um, and so you know, I think their consoles honestly are super overpriced. They're underpowered. Uh, I'm I'm not saying I don't enjoy Zelda and Mario games because I do, but when I think of like, hey, what's a hot take? I don't like Nintendo for a developer. I think that they just I don't like them, man. Yeah, I think when you you hit it on the head when you made the McDonald's comparison. I guess even the colors because you kind of see like red and yellow all over Nintendo and stuff. But um, when I think of it, it's like sometimes I crave McDonald's. Sometimes I crave a Nintendo game. But then after I do it, I don't I don't feel so great. I feel yeah. like I could have done something else. Maybe maybe another choice would have been much better and I've been more satisfied. Maybe I wouldn't feel like this weird pit in my stomach anymore. I don't feel so good. <laughs> I have felt awfully lukewarm on Nintendo ever since the Wii came out. And the Wii was 
what the second most successful selling console of all time i think yeah, i think so and i always felt like the wii was really overrated i thought it was novel it was kind of fun to play every now and again for a few minutes but uh, when, when your technology is so far behind everyone else your games are automatically going to suffer a little bit and for me i was trying to think when's the last time i got really excited about anything in the nintendo world and there's one thing I can think of in the last, like, five years. Bowser's Fury. Bowser's Fury is so good. And it's because they tried something completely new. It was like, what would an open-world Mario game actually look like? And we're going to throw in heavy metal music. We're going to make Bowser more like Godzilla than like Bowser. And we're going to rain down you know, storm clouds and, and lightning, and you're going to have to battle this Godzilla type Bowser. And that was a lot of fun. So they can every once in a while still have lightning in a bottle. And I hope they lean into that more, but like Mario galaxy was great. And after that, what did Mario Odyssey really bring to the table? That wasn't already there before Yeah, the hat. The hat's not that great. Right. What have they done lately? Not much. And and I think what they've done lately has really upset me. And I know I know we're short on time, so I'll try to keep this quick. But I have three children in my house. I have three Switches. If I want to buy a game and they're going to play it together, because Nintendo has like this proprietary thing with their games and they never go on sale, I got to buy three $60 games. I, I wish that the Steam Deck came out a couple of years ago because you can get them for about the same price now the wii and the base model steam deck and i could buy games on steam all day long my kids could play together as opposed to buying three copies of something like minecraft where they've got to play like you know 60 bucks each and it's just frustrating because that proprietary thing where nintendo knows that their games are only offered on their system and for the most part right that's pretty much it Mm -hmm. yeah and if my kids want to play it but again it's that marketing piece i want to play mario I want to play Peach. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, they're still made for kids, right? Like, Kirby games are never going to give any of us a challenge. But if you're five years old, eight years old, you love playing as Kirby. So it's like, I get it. We're just not really the market. But maybe we've just outgrown Nintendo. Maybe that's what it kind of comes down to. It might be. All right, Paul, bring us home, buddy. My last one. I'm sorry, Michael. This is where I thought Josh was going. Oh, man, I thought I was going to cry twice already. What do you you have left in the tank? (laughs) I'm I'm really sorry about this one, Michael. All right, here's what I wrote down. The original Myst, while good in 1993, was a novel technological achievement as one of the first CD-ROM games. It's actually kind of just a boring slideshow. Oh, and Michael my- has left the podcast. Michael is gone. <laughs> oh, he's, he's throwing <laughs> things around his room. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Michael, I am really sorry. The remakes of Mist, I think, have added a lot more to it. I'm not saying it's still in that place. I know you can play it in VR. I am talking about trying to play the original 93 today. It's really just a boring slideshow. Uh, You know, I'm not sure if that's a hot take because you're 100% right. And I hate to say it like, no, that's why I like that's why I really like what they did in 2020, where they put it in the Unreal Engine and you can actually walk around. It's the same puzzles, but they've optimized them a little bit. Um, And and this is a case of, again, it's just the technology changes like that was revolutionary at the time. Early CD-ROM. Everyone bought a CD-ROM in order to play Myst. Yeah, it was the best-selling game in the world until The Sims came out 
11 years later. And so, yeah, well, well, what you're saying is absolutely sacrilegious, uh, and it's, it's not true. It's also very true, and nobody heard me say that. <laughs> here's a picture, <laughs> and I say, I, right, yeah. and it's like, here's a picture. You know, like, I, I get that it was revolutionary at the time and with the audio and everything, but, man, when you look at it today, it's like, why did this sell six million copies? <laughs> yeah. It's not that great. And honestly, don't don't ever go back and play the original again. If you've played it before and you play the 2020 version, you remember, like, you think you were playing the original, and then you go and you Google screenshots of what the original looked like, and you're like, what? You remembered it completely wrong, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's but, very funny. Yeah, but yeah, it's that you're right, and I... I don't like what you said, but it doesn't hurt as much as the Elite Dangerous comment, so... I was, I was gonna say, poor Michael, two of the hot takes today have been complete jabs at, like, two of his, his two favorite. favorite games of all time. I think there was a times. third one, too, that we put in there. I forget which one it was, but there was a third one that hurt. Oh, the VR oh, one. The VR one. Oh, hurt. Uh, also, VR. that yeah, one hurt Way of the Hunt. Call of the Wild is a terrible video game. You've never played it. <laughs> no, I know. I just get a great video game. <laughs> I just wanted to see what else I could tack Me on. And the the trail trail you take your face and you bury it in your beard. Just cover your face with your beard and shed it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I, I think we lost all our listeners, guys. There's there's nobody I left. I don't think we should release this episode. I really don't. <laughs> like, I, think, I think this. if you're listening to this, it's called The Lost Episode, and it's because we probably canceled the show. <laughs> we said, whatever. <laughs> it, it, we'll, we'll just run a rewind, right? Like, hey, remember when we covered Elden Ring, guys? <laughs> Let's yeah, run it I back. stand by all my takes, fellas. I got no, I got no shame or remorse. Yeah. Uh, so everyone out there, go pick up Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> don't play our classic. JRPGs. Uh, don't yeah, buy refund. it. Refund don't buy it. Refund no, man. Yeah. Oh, but, man. Play, but play Elite Dangerous. It's really good. Uh, if you hate yourself. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So yes, thank you to everyone out there for listening. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you to eBlitz. Uh, we really appreciate all the support from the community. If you would like to help support the show... Go check out our Patreon at MultiplayerSquad.com. Also, follow us on socials everywhere at MultiplayerPod. And I think we're done, guys. So we will come back together on Thursday. Hopefully, all of our wounds have healed. And we'll talk about this week in gaming. I got a hot, yeah. I got a hot take for you. <laughs> Cheers, all. Oh, see you, everybody. See you next time.